Welcome to Your Truth Revealed, a podcast that explores your hidden physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marku, and I share with you the power of self-knowledge. I interview industry professionals to talk about how you can be your own mental health expert. You're listening to episode 27, Know Your Pharmacist. This is the first part of an interview with pharmacist Don Kim. We talk about the COVID vaccine, biochemistry, and psychotropic meds to help you make better decisions about your overall health care. Dr. Don Kim is a patient-focused pharmacist with more than 15 years of experience. He has a Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the University of the Pacific. He also has a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and Cell Biology from the University of California at San Diego. To get herd immunity, the COVID-19 vaccine has to be above 70% efficiency. And both of the approved vaccines are at or above 90%. If we were to vaccinate between 60 to 70% of the population, we can actually get rid of the virus. Listen as Dong and I discuss pharmaceuticals to empower you to make the best decisions for your health. Thank you so much for being here today. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. We're finally at a time with the coronavirus where we have a vaccine and now entering into 2021, that vaccine is going to roll out over the next year. And I believe that you got your vaccine two days ago. I did. And how was that for you? I didn't have any reservations about getting it. I had zero side effects other than pain at the injection site, which is common in any type of intramuscular injection. Pain level wise, it's a little bit more painful the next day in comparison to a flu shot, maybe more like a tetanus shot. But other than that, I didn't have any fever. I didn't have any other side effects other than it hurts in the arm. And then you're going to have another shot in like three or four weeks? It'll be four weeks because I got the Moderna vaccine. How does the COVID vaccine compare to other vaccines in the past? I'm in my 40s. And I still have my smallpox vaccination scar on my arm. If you compare that to the COVID-19 vaccine side effect profile, the smallpox virus actually has a much more dangerous profile. And we were able to eradicate smallpox using that vaccine. In the grand scheme of things, COVID-19 is a drop in the bucket compared to smallpox. If we step back and look at the history of all the different pandemics that we've had, this is just one more out of many. I think it's just human nature to look at what's happening right now, but I think there's a lot of wisdom that can happen if we step back. Yes. Looking back on prior mass vaccination programs like the polio vaccine, imagine living in the early 1900s and getting polio in being handicapped the rest of your life, like FDR. It is important that we look at history when we're discussing global pandemics. From your perspective, what you're saying is that we could probably get rid of COVID-19? I think it's a great possibility. Well, that's good news. To get herd immunity, the vaccine has to be above 70% efficiency. And both of the approved vaccines are at or above 90%. 
if we were to vaccinate between 60 to 70% of the population, we can actually get rid of the virus. Even if there are 30 to 40% of the population who don't want to get the vaccine, we could still eradicate it if 60 or 70% of the people get vaccinated. Yeah, it decreases the amount of transmission and the virus will eventually die out. And the rollout, there's three different phases and I don't fit into any of those three phases. So when do you think someone like me would be able to get the vaccine? I think the latest rollout schedule is about March. Okay, let's say I get the vaccine in March. Is it safe then for me to go out and eat at restaurants and be in public? From what I know of virology, if the vaccine is effective for you, you wouldn't be a carrier, number one, because you wouldn't have enough of a viral load in your body to transmit it. And I wouldn't get it either because my body would fight it appropriately, right? Correct. After the administration of your second shot, your body is primed to fight off that virus by attacking the spike proteins on the COVID-19 virus. It would not be able to successfully replicate itself in your body to transmit the virus. There's no reason for me to have to wear a mask, let's say in April, because I'm not going to give COVID to anybody and nobody's going to give it to me. We have evolved to expect our other members of society to wear a mask at this juncture in our lives until we're given the go ahead to go without the mask. It would be out of general politeness to wear one. As the vaccine rolls out and a larger portion of the population does get vaccinated, hopefully in the near future, it'll be okay to not wear a mask. I'm thinking like holiday season in 2021, we'll be able to gather once again. Well, that is excellent news. And on another note, you have a degree in biochemistry. And what amazes me in preparing for this interview that my understanding of biochemistry is probably just my class that I took in high school. And what I'm learning is that every cell in my body and everything that's living on this planet does relate to biochemistry. Exactly. Any living organism, there's something happening within it that's biochemical. Sometimes called biological chemistry is the study of chemical processes within and related to living organisms. Over the last decades, biochemistry has become successful explaining a lot of the living processes, understanding how biological molecules give rise to the processes that occur within living cells. Much of biochemistry deals with structures, functions, and interactions of biological macromolecules, Mm -hmm. such as proteins, nucleic acids, which are in DNA and RNA, carbohydrates, sugars, and lipids, also known as fats, which provide the structure of cells and perform many of the functions associated with life. That's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, a little bit. bit. (laughs) We really step back. And the cool thing about proteins, nucleic acids, carbohydrates, and lipids, all of that creates, I'm assuming, the structure of your body. Yeah. Of all living organisms. Of all living organisms. And we supply that with the food that we eat and the supplements that we take. Yes. Sunshine, vitamin D, oxygen. All of it. Yeah. It all works in harmony to create us. You have a very different perspective than most of us who don't have a degree in biochemistry. Yeah, I think it creates a lot more awareness in what's going on 
in your body. Yeah. How have you incorporated your knowledge of biochemistry to benefit your health? After graduating pharmacy school, I decided that I was going to apply what I had actually learned in school to myself. It was a science experiment on myself. And I decided to use the ketogenic diet before it was really popular. About 20 years ago, I weighed about 250 pounds. When I was actively using the ketogenic diet, I lost 90 pounds in nine months. Is that safe to go that fast? (laughs) I think it's safer to do that than to stay overweight. There's always a risk and reward. I think 10 pounds a month is probably the max that most people can do. It was a choice I had made, mm-hmm. and I was committed to it. I like my Mexican food and beer. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I would go into the taco shop, and they knew exactly what to get me. I would yeah. just walk in. It was quite embarrassing. What did you do? You went from tacos and beer to what? I would have like three or four eggs and some bacon. And okay. then with lunch, I would have a big salad with a huge amount of protein. And then at dinner, I would eat animal protein Mm -hmm. and a salad. Mm -hmm. And that was basically it. So no carbs. There are some incidental carbs in vegetables. As we mentioned, the macromolecules are proteins, carbohydrates, sugars, and lipids. What were you doing in this science experiment on yourself? By negating all sort of carbohydrates and sugars in your body, your body learns how to burn fats as an energy source. And that process is called ketosis. I know it's a very popular diet now. At the time, it was on the fringe. Your brain can actually only use glucose as an energy source. It can't use anything else. So if your brain isn't getting glucose from carbs, where is it getting it from? It burns your stored lipids, your fats. And that process is called ketosis. It will learn how to not just burn stored body fat, but also as you consume fats, it will learn how to break those fats down and use that as a source of glucose. I'm not strictly using a ketogenic diet now. I will manipulate my carbohydrate intake to lose some body fat on occasion. Talking about it 20 years after the fact and still being at a healthy weight is a good example of what people can do if they stay committed and stay passionate about things. If the layperson knew what you see from your perspective on healthcare, what might they be? Because you deal with it day in and day out. You're dealing with insurance companies all day long. The cost of healthcare in this country, especially for the majority of the population, is out of control. The cost of healthcare. Yeah, it costs too much. The problem is the cost has been socialized and the profits are privatized. It's a profit-driven market and that's going to increase the costs. There's too many people taking a piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. There are insurance companies that are basically running the healthcare industry for profit. The problem is that the risk is spread out and has been socialized. So we all pay into the system. There are some people that take more from the system. There are some people that take less. That's going to decrease the care. And that's also going to show up in people's health. And I think that the system is damaged. It's broken. And I don't have any answers on how to fix it. I fantasize that maybe we can go into all cash. And a lot of practitioners have. Exactly. They don't want to deal with the insurance companies. You can't. Because it's getting in the way of the patient getting the care that they need. Exactly. For a licensed therapist, a mental health practitioner, 
They may spend 30% of their time dealing with health insurance companies and billing rather than giving help to more clients. Anything else that you want to say about the healthcare system? Being in the healthcare industry for 20 years, I see a lot of patients who are apathetic that would rather take a pill instead of being more aware of what we're eating, of our lifestyles. Let's imagine that you've got a diabetic customer that shows up to get their medication from you and you watch as they're drinking a soda. What would you like to say to them? It makes me sad when people seem like they've given up. Most of them are on pumps where it's attached to their body and delivers a certain amount of insulin per hour. Mm -hmm. And they turn up the insulin instead of not drinking soda. Do you think it's a lack of education? (sighs) To some degree. I want to grab him. I want to go up to a chalkboard and draw out what's happening in his body. We need to break down diabetes into two types. Type 1 diabetics have non-functioning pancreatic cells that don't make insulin. Insulin is necessary to drive glucose into every cell of your body. You can't push sugar into your cells without insulin. In type 1 diabetics, they need insulin to live. In the 1870s, if you had type 1 diabetes, you were going to die. And type 2 diabetics, it's typically through an excessive consumption of carbohydrates, which Mm -hmm. lead to what's known as insulin resistance. Your body stops making enough insulin to push all the sugars into your cells. The apathy is there because maybe there hasn't been another reality to compare to. If they've not ever had a super clean diet for, let's say, a year... Maybe they don't know that it could be better. Yeah, I totally agree. I've been on both paths, so I know what they both feel like. Mm-hmm. In general, if people were to experience a general sense of well-being, maybe this other path might be a better way of living. Health has got to include paying attention to the food and the water that you consume, the exercise your sleep patterns, your sleep hygiene, yeah, the supplements that you need to be testing for. Maybe you are really low in vitamin D or vitamin B12 and making sure that you're getting that kind of nutrients into your body. And if you need medication, take it with mental health issues. And that's what I see more of rather than physical health issues. There are sometimes people not taking medication when in fact it could help them a lot because there's a genetic component to that. If someone had diabetes, they would take medication for it. Right. But on the other hand, it's not just leaning on that medication. If you're diabetic, you don't just lean on the medication and eat whatever you want. Right. I'm going to make that parallel with mental health. You don't just take the medication and then not develop new coping skills or new perspectives in your current situation or you stop growing completely. That is not the way to be a happy, well-adjusted person. Yeah, I totally agree. Diet plays a big part in our health. I remember being in Tuscany, Italy, and I noticed how fresh the food was. And it comes from the land, from farms. There's fresh sheep and goat cheeses, tomatoes, garlic, olive oil. There was little variety, yet hardly any processed foods. And walking into a grocery store in a tiny town near Cortona, Italy, is very different from walking into a grocery store in Austin, Texas. It seems harder here to stay away from the processed foods, even though there is more variety. I I think that's very true. I think we have a massive 
amount of foods available in this country that other people don't have that privilege. Once someone adopts their habits Mm -hmm. or their lifestyle Mm -hmm. choices, I think it just becomes routine. Mm Some of my happiest memories are before my wife and I had kids, we would cook mm-hmm. together in this tiny little kitchen in Hollywood. It was the smallest kitchen in the world. We had a great time. We both knew how to cook. And I think that out of convenience, we've become a little bit more complacent. We can just buy it out of a package instead of preparing it ourselves. Mm-hmm. As the availability of the COVID-19 vaccine increases in 2021, you will be able to get vaccinated at your doctor's office, pharmacy, and hospital. So how will you know when it's your turn? In phase one, healthcare workers and residents of long-term care facilities will receive the vaccine. In phase two, people who are 75 and older and frontline essential workers will receive the vaccine. These people include grocery store clerks, waiters, bus drivers, police, firefighters, and more. The third phase includes people who are 16 to 64 years old who have a medical condition that is high risk. If you don't fit into any of these categories, you'll need to wait to get the COVID-19 vaccine. If you want clarification, you can ask your local pharmacist. Welcome to the bonus segment of my podcast, Your Truth Revealed. I want to expand on some of the main points from my interview with pharmacist Don Kim. We first talk about receiving the COVID-19 vaccine and put it in historical context by comparing it to the polio vaccine. Polio is highly contagious with flu-like symptoms, paralysis, and even death. It once seemed impossible to stop. However, Polio was eliminated in the United States in 1994 because people received the polio vaccine. This is hopeful news for the possible elimination of COVID-19. We also discussed the amazing science of biochemistry. Over the last decades, it has successfully explained the processes for all living organisms. We know that proteins, nucleic acids, fats, and carbohydrates or sugars provide the structure of cells for every living organism. And I want to emphasize the importance of nutrition as the foundation of health. Almost 2,500 years ago, Hippocrates, the father of Western medicine, said food is medicine. Let me add that there is a balance in having a healthy lifestyle and taking medication. On the one hand, a healthy lifestyle alone may not be enough and medication is necessary. On the other hand, having an unhealthy lifestyle and primarily relying on medication is not the best path. Being aware of what's going on in your body is another main point of my interview with Dong that I want to expand on, and this includes noticing your emotions, behavior, and mental state. If being self-aware and taking action seems hard, you might be experiencing apathy, And apathy is defined as the lack of motivation or concern. And it comes from the Greek word pathos, which means passion or emotion. Apathy is a lack of those feelings and could be a factor in having an unhealthy lifestyle. Interestingly, apathy can be a symptom of a mental health problem. It may be a symptom where you don't feel much of anything or things that used to make you happy don't excite you anymore. And I recommend visiting with your doctor to see if there is a brain health issue. 
Here are some tips in helping you or your loved one manage apathy. Get plenty of sleep each night and try to exercise every day. Spend time with friends, do things you love, break big tasks into smaller ones so that you feel accomplished, and reward yourself whenever you finish an activity. Dopamine is the primary neurotransmitter that is heavily involved in regulating motivation. In episodes three and four, I talked to Pam Makamel Helmley about the ability to get your neurotransmitters tested. You can see if your dopamine levels are low and take supplements or medication to increase it. The primary reason I'm bringing up apathy is that it can get in the way of you feeling empowered to take care of your physical and mental health. It's necessary to stay motivated to be healthy. This includes making safe decisions to hopefully prevent getting COVID, focusing on the basics like sleep, exercise, and nutrition, and advocating for yourself and getting the medical attention you need when you become ill. This may sound like common sense, but it can be easy to forget. That's why I'm here to remind you. Make sure to check out the show notes. There are great resources there. In episode 28, Dong talks about how the mind and body function together and psychotropic medications for mental health. Until next time, please subscribe and rate the show. Also tune in to season one for more on unleashing your physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marcoux. Thanks for listening.